Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Paige. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the hit Netflix show, The Umbrella Academy. This week we are covering Season 2, Episode 6, A Light Supper. A Light Supper. A Light Supper. <laughs> Sounds so proper, yeah. which coming from original Hargreaves doesn't surprise yeah. me. Uh, so... What'd you think about this week's episode, Pake? Oh man, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing every week. But <laughs> me too. <laughs> but I'm, it was I, good. I, I am truthfully adoring this season. I just think it's incredible, and this episode just keeps on trucking with that. Like, there's the great emotional moments. It had some really funny moments, and there's also some like major plot points that they dropped this episode that's keeping the story going. So, sure man, did. Yeah, <laughs> I know they've really been knocking at out of the park with with season two i thought season one was pretty good there were a a few moments where it kind of flubbed i thought just a little bit not bad um because i think we did enjoy it and we certainly had a good time and characters were great but they have really um amped up the characters yeah i i feel this year you know there's there's more depth to them uh, they have me caring a little bit more about some of the characters that last season I was kind of like, eh, yeah, they're okay. Like Diego, you know, he was, you know, not really one of my favorites, you know, last season, even though, even though he's a knife handler and I love knives, it still wasn't enough for me, but you know, he's, they've, they've really done a great job with his character. Even Luther, who really just was so annoying last season. Um, yeah. I feel like, you know, even he's gr- definitely grown on me. So... Really good, really good yeah. stuff. And I, I can't get enough of having all the siblings together. Oh, yeah. It's so good now that they're actually having full family reunion time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good. So, well, that's awesome. Uh, well, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our top five because there's no reason to wait any longer. Yeah. I know if we just keep talking about it, we're probably going to start getting into our points anyway. So <laughs> why don't you go ahead this week and kick us off with your number five? All right. My number five, um, something small, but usually when they have some kind of storyline in here, I have to talk about them. I have to touch on the Swedes a little bit. Not yes. touch on them in the way that the handler did this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not the wiener. <laughs> Unharm my wiener. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> um, yes. That was a great. There was a great that that line, and then followed up pretty quickly when she's kind of giving them their task or whatever, and she followed up. Don't hurt the little one with the cute socks, which was funny, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that was was interesting. They didn't have a whole lot in this episode, but I definitely did want to hit on them a little bit, especially. At the end, R.I.P. Elliot, may your truth yeah. be out there somewhere. You crazy conspiracy guy. Um, he did not deserve that. Elliot was just a sweet guy, not. and he did not deserve to be tortured by the crazy cat Swedes, and much less murdered by them. That was it's sad. Yeah, that that's actually my number five too. But right. just to kind of tag on to what what you were saying, I I did think that was an interesting episode there with the handler and the Swedes. So I know she's kind of setting them back up saying, you know, Hey, I can help you go find Diego. You know, he's the one, or at least they believe responsible for their brother's death. We know that was all a setup anyway. So I'm curious what else she has in store because she's asking for five's help. 
Um, but she's also kind of sicking the Swedes out on Diego and, and yeah. you know, basically saying you can harm anyone except for um, five. Like yeah. she doesn't care about any of the others except for five because she needs him obviously to carry out her dirty work. Uh, so <sighs> maybe that's just her sending them on some kind of mission that gets them out of her way while she's trying to do what she's trying to do. <laughs> maybe. Oh, that's good. I didn't think about that. That's, that's possible. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, you know, it was really sad to see them, you know, kind of stumble in there and come across Elliot and poor Elliot just didn't stand a chance. Oh, no. And it, that was a really hard scene to watch. I, I was really hoping that they would just maybe tie him to a chair and maybe smack him around a little bit. Cause I mean, I thought, okay, something is going to happen here, but I was really hoping that they wouldn't go that far that, you know, they're just going to slap him around a little bit, um, mm-hmm. which I didn't want to happen, but I thought, well, something's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, they, they really took it all the way. And I was absolutely devastated. The poor guy just wanted to make jello <laughs> mold. Yeah. And it was yeah. really sad. It that, was. that really broke my heart. When Diego and Luther find him at the end and you know, cause I was kind of looking at it and it seemed like, you know, he was tied down and had been tortured, but then it looked like he did have like some kind of utensil like stabbed into his eye, which I guess is what killed him. And then, yeah, it looked like he had like almost like a knife going all through his face. Yeah. It looked like it went through his eye down into, in the end of it came out his jaw at the bottom mm-hmm. or something. I mean, terrible. That's and rough. then like, looks like they pulled a bunch of teeth. Yeah. I mean, ugh, and that they, was cringeworthy, by the way. I can't oh, handle that yeah. kind of stuff. And but, they they um, look over the uh, banister and then written in blood on the floor of uh-huh. the, the lobby down there is, and it's, it's Swedish and I was, it looks like Oga, but it was, the umlaut is in there. So I did go online and kind of look to see if I could find out how to pronounce that from best what I could gather. It's like Iaga for Iaga, oh. which is an eye for an eye in Swedish. Yes, it is. So. I, I did look that up. I didn't look up the pronunciation, so I'm glad that you did. Yeah. And I didn't throw and I could still be off one. if there's any Swedish people listening. Any fans out there that are Swedish, let us know. But I tried my I, best. <laughs> I, I think that was really good. I give you an A. And I uh, and what's funny is the the scene you were talking about with the handler and the Swedes when they're in in like that steam bath. Um, I read online <laughs> there were many many people who were Swedish mm-hmm. or speak Swedish, uh-huh. and they were like, "What the hell was that on the screen?" They said <laughs> that the dialect was terrible. They had no idea what they were saying. Um, it was very hard to understand. And if they didn't have the uh, closed caption on, they wouldn't have understood Oh man, what it was that they said. <laughs> and I was just laughing. I was like, wow, that must have been terrible. I had no idea. Yeah, I know. You know, I was like, oh, <laughs> sounds like Swedish to me. I just, I just but, bought it. Like, yep, totally. <laughs> okay. that uh, If you said it was, you know, um, something else, I would probably would have bought that too. Like, okay, they're speaking Swedish. But uh, I, I did think it was really funny that, so I don't know anything about the dialect could not have told you if something was a correct pronunciation or grammar or anything like that. But what I did find funny was Kay Walsh who plays the handler. Mm-hmm. I was really, as she's speaking, I was like, do you know who it reminded me of? And I don't know, Paik, if you're old enough to, to know, 
but she reminded me of the chef from the Muppets. Oh, okay. That's the most Swedish I know, and that's like the most offensive <laughs> Swedish. <laughs> I guess. Exactly. That's she was talking. It's all I could think in my head. I was like, she sounds like the Swedish chef from the Muppets, whom I loved, by the way. I mean, absolutely loved All right, the boys, listen, here's what we're going to have to do. A bork, bork, bork. That's <laughs> all I heard. All I heard. Um, I was like, okay, that's what she's, I was like, is that on purpose? Is she just, you know, I don't know. And it's, it's just a TV show and it's just for fun. But I was like, oh gosh, that's all I could, that's all oh, I could man. <laughs> So anyway, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Quite an interesting scene. Um, quite funny as she takes command of one of the Swedes and, you know, really kind of lets him know who's boss there in the moment that she isn't to be messed with. And then of course, um, as she sets them loose, we have to sacrifice poor Elliot right. uh, in the process. So <laughs> sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. R.E.P. Elliot. Um, poor guy. Um, that was, that was heartbreaking. Poor guy just wanted to help people and, uh, find the truth. Yep. So anyway, well, that was, um, Elliot was also my number five, kind of short and sweet, but I thought, well, he's going to be my number five. Cause that, yeah. that was a tragic moment. He deserves, deserves his own special shout out. So For sure. What is your number four? My number four actually perfectly kind of rolls right in this because we're talking about the handler, even though the main focus of my number four is five, but it comes in with his plans and the options that he's given by the mm-hmm. handler. So, you know, aside from that, I just I want to start it with a little quote again because it was fun kind of near the beginning of the episode where, you know, she says, uh, the handler says to five, well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. She's mm. your daughter. Yes. And she's my only one. So I'd appreciate it if you didn't crush her windpipe. Um, but they follow that yeah they follow that up within with their conversation which is kind of my big point which we get some pretty major plot stuff there because if the handler's telling the truth which i kind of look at her a lot like i do five where she's sneaky kind of sometimes i mean he's not super sneaky but but like she doesn't really ever lie like she's kind of in that position like she might bend things a little bit but she doesn't lie she she tells things how they are Mm-hmm. And so I do want to believe her on that. And so if that's the case, then her deal or offer to him is if he assassinates the board of directors of the commission so that she can take charge of it, then she will be able to restore the timeline play. And as she puts it like jazz, instead of towing the company line, she can riff a little bit and mix things up to where now, you know, there's no nuclear war in the sixties. There's no moon explosion in 19 in uh, 2019. We can just, mm-hmm. I can bring your family back to your present, fix all the apocalypse nonsense, and we can all go on with our lives. Hmm. I, I, I want to believe her, yeah. but I, I don't know if I can yet. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I feel like she's probably telling the truth, but also leaving some things out oh, yeah. as well. She's good at that. <laughs> yes. Like, she's definitely looking to just benefit herself she wants to take over the commission she's pissed right she's been demoted kind of like a laughing stock now there at the commission you know she doesn't have this like prestigious position you know that she once had and i think you know she's she's wanting to kind of seek her like revenge yeah 
and she she needs five in order to do that. Uh, so you know, I think she's definitely willing to to use him for her benefit, and I think she's telling enough to kind of get him on board. But again, what choice do they have? Yeah. What choice does he have? Exactly. Kind of with, with where we left things. So, I mean, I think he he's he's pretty hesitant to trust her too, as as we could see. Oh yeah, he he didn't. But, I could tell. You know, he he knows that there's something up her sleeve, and so that was his mm-hmm. last resort option so that's why you know he takes advantage of this light supper with with reginald hardgreaves to talk to reginald and try to get him to help i thought it was kind of an interesting conversation they had you know as he's ready to throw them all out luther mm-hmm. rips off his shirt and but it gets to the point he's like okay you in the cooey like you're the one that talked to me in private right we're gonna <laughs> we're just, okay, you in the culottes and i was like oh there's a word i haven't heard in yeah. a long time <laughs> and it's they have a fun conversation which i was actually like did reginald actually just give five like real legitimate advice like maybe not parental advice kind of but like actual helpful advice where he tells him start small you know start with seconds not decades you he's actually helping him and being kind i was like what did you do with Reginald Hargreaves? This is not- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think he was, mm-hmm. which is like, whoa. Um, you know, it wasn't exactly maybe a, you know, proud parenting moment or something like that, but he definitely, you know, felt, I think five was the one that, you know, he could talk to reasonably like, oh, this is a reasonable guy here. And he seems to sense his intellect and yeah. his logic and. Saw him more of an equal, uh, maybe in that yeah, moment. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny when when Five's like, technically, I'm older than you right yeah. now. <laughs> I said, don't get off my nose, old man. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that, yes, Five is like this old man stuck in a teenager's body, yeah. but he's still, he's still like, I guess... I guess in the comic, he's supposed to be 13. Mm -hmm. He was 13 when he did his time jump and then he aged. And when he came back, he was still back. He went back to his 13 year old body. So he's older than, I mean, the actor is older than that. And he doesn't look 13. I mean, he, he looks like a teenager for sure, but he doesn't look 13. Um, But it's funny that Reginald gives him, um, offers him uh, some, what was it? Um, Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. I was getting, I was thinking like brainy. I was like, no, it wasn't brainy. What the hell was it? It was something else kind of nasty. Mm-hmm. I don't like cognac either. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I was like, oh, shit. He's, I mean, he's like, I don't know, still a minor kind of. I don't know. <laughs> Mentally not, but it's a weird I don't question know. that doesn't really weird. work in reality. He's like, is it okay to give a 13 year old alcohol if he's actually 58? Or <laughs> yeah. Like, like mentally he's that old, but he's like 13. Should we be giving him, you know, serving him up <laughs> adult beverages? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I thought he just thought nothing of it. You know, that he seemed to to see him a little bit more as an equal yeah. in that which in that moment. Unfortunately for five, I guess that conversation doesn't doesn't appear to be super fruitful. He gets a little bit of advice, which I definitely see coming into play later on in the season. I think it will. But he didn't seem to take it to heart in that moment, yeah. but I think it's gonna come into play. But, but it's enough to where he's like, Well, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't get what I wanted from you and it kinda leaves him with just that option to go back to the handler. And make the deal with her. And then I just thought it was kind of cool because she talks about the the board members meeting once every fiscal P 
period and not just where they meet, but when they meet. And so I had it marked down the location of the board meeting that five has to try to assassinate them at is the lonely lodge Inn in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, 1982. 1982. Yep. So he's got a little bit more of a time jump there. Mm-hmm. Cause they're in the sixties currently. So. so he might have to figure out how to take Reginald's advice and learn how to jump himself to the correct time this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that's definitely going to come into play uh, somewhere here in the season, whether it's the next episode or or later that that comes in. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like that's probably something we should just put in our back pocket. Mm-hmm. I like that. All good stuff. That kind of flows into my number four where I want to talk about a light supper right. uh, title title of this episode because <laughs> this this was indeed an interesting scene uh I, really interesting with all of the siblings you know coming together first it was just gonna be five you know he was gonna go meet and then they all ended up you know coming together and getting on the elevator together so i i liked how you know again we get them all together because i feel like that's just uh when kind of more of the magic happens during the show is, is when we have all of the siblings together and getting to see their banter and, and all of their dynamics and their interactions with each other. And so we get them all in the elevator and of course got to have like the obligatory elevator fart <laughs> that, you know, nearly takes everyone down because mm-hmm. um, Luther's nervous. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, it was funny. Uh, I can appreciate a good fart joke. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was really good to see how they were all kind of, you know, they're all their different personalities kind of playing out as they were waiting for Reginald to show up. And of course he shows up late and he just kind of jumps right into it. And I, I was almost really kind of surprised to see how all of them did decide to go considering, you know, all the dysfunction in their family and how horrible, you know, Reginald was to them, you know, when they were children that, you know, but they all, for their own reasons, decided to go. And I don't know if it was so much that they decided to band together. I know that Diego Luther and, and Vanya had, you know, that conversation, like, you know, we have each other. We're not going to, you know, let dad pick us apart. We're not going to let him get in our head. We're adults now. We're not children. And all of that went right out the window. Yeah. <laughs> went, went right Luther out the window. So it. they he had, him. He was like, you know what, what, you know what dad's going to do to us. And yeah. <laughs> He's going to, you know, get in our head and he's going to, you know, pit us against each other and make us turn on each other. And that kind of that kind of happened um, in, in this where they were all kind of picking at each other when he's like, well, you know, he didn't really believe them about their powers. And he's like, you know, I I have to see evidence of it. And Luther's like, well, we're not, you know, performing clowns or whatever. You know, we're not going to bounce balls off, off our noses and. Um, and so, but they ended up giving demonstrations anyway. And it was really funny when Allison, you know, has Diego, she, um, you know, I heard a rumor, you punch yourself in the face. (laughs) So that was funny. I appreciated that. Um, Vanya blows up some food, um, five demonstrates, you know, his, his power. And so they all kind of, you know, give a little something. We even got to see some action from Ben. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So uh, we, we saw that earlier when, when he, uh, him and Klaus had their moment, but this time he went full on and, and, you know, didn't escape right away. And so I feel like that's, 
showing like an evolution. Yeah. I feel like that's going to kind of come into play later and it might show this evolution in Klaus's power and how it's evolving and he's getting stronger. So I love that because I'm all about Klaus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, I love seeing that all that dynamic, the the siblings all kind of riffing on each other. But then at the same time, you had Reginald kind of knocking everyone down like he does. Yeah. And, you know, I would never adopt kids. And I don't know what he just kind of, every time they kept saying something, he just kept knocking it right back down. And I feel like, you know, it's like no matter how old you get, no matter what else is going on, you're never free from what your parents did to you. Yeah. And <laughs> especially as you've got your domineering father staring at you right in the face. Um, but it, it definitely was a very interesting, you know, interaction. And, you know, knowing that it was kind of cool to see Vanya open up to it, um, even after learning what he did to her. Yeah. Um, learning, you know, what what that was like. And if she has no memory of that, she's like, well, then I really should meet him. You know, um, so I don't know. I th- thought it was a really good interaction. Um, thought the conversation with Five and Reginald was really interesting. I feel like that's definitely going to kind of come into play a little bit. But um, so I don't know. What did you have any additional thoughts on that? I know you talked about Five and Reginald, yeah. but did you have any yeah, thoughts I did because that's actually that's stuff. actually my number two. But I'll go ahead and keep adding on oh, to okay. it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because I like their. Or I guess there was Diego's idea, really, the Team Zero, a united front. And I was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And of course, by the end of this scene where they're having dinner, he's like, yeah, I was like so much for Team Zero. Even he says that. And because mm-hmm. Diego's kind of left feeling like his siblings didn't have his back. But I mean, he was warned that it was going to go this way. So, but yeah, Diego was hit really hard in that scene because, I mean, he was he was cut pretty deep. By, by Reginald there. He, he uh, calls out his hero complex pretty hardcore with the exact quote if he says, you're a desperate man, tragically unaware of his own insignificance. And that, it oh. cut him down deep enough to where his stutter came back and he was crying and it was just like, ouch. That was, that yeah. was hard. That was super harsh. That That's actually my number three was just specifically, you know, I know we talked about all the siblings during this supper, mm-hmm. but that for me, you know, I called out specifically in my top five because that was so hard to watch. And I was so absolutely devastated for Diego. And I know I mentioned earlier uh, before we started talking about our top five, you know, how impressed I am with that character and how he's, you know, becoming, you know, a more of a favorite for me. I mean, class is always like my number one favorite, but he's becoming more of a favorite for me. And I like him a lot more yeah. uh, just seeing how his character has evolved. And he, he was so crushed, you know, getting dressed down in front of Reginald, like, like that and no one stood up for yeah. him no one had his back <laughs> and i was like damn what happened to team zero everybody's just standing there you kind of see the camera goes to each of their faces and they all just kind of sit there and they're they're all kind of slumped in their chairs and their heads are kind of down and they're all just kind of like you know like they're 12 years old again yeah. and i was like this is exactly what luther said was going to happen uh, or at least to the ones that heard it anyway i know not all of them heard that conversation mm-hmm. but it was like they they like no matter what, they all are grown ass adults and are doing their own things and they're independent and some better, some worse off maybe, but you know, they're not kids anymore. But the minute they sat down with Reginald, they were all mentally 12 years old again and none of them could 
stand up to their dad, mm-hmm. um, except for Luther in that moment when, you know, like you said, he kind of stood up and got pissed yeah. and was like, look what you did to me, you know? Um, so that was at least a good moment, but I thought, man, how, how horrible that they weren't able to, you know, stand up for Diego and say anything to him. And the, like you said, he, he was so crushed. He cried and it was so bad. A stutter came mm-hmm. back and I was just devastated Rough. for him. <laughs> It's terrible. Mm. Yeah. And it felt so bad for him too when he threw his knife to like when he was demonstrating his skill and he curved it. So now I feel like I've got a really good, I'm glad that you explained that to me way early on because I was like, I don't, I know he's really good with knives, but I guess I don't really fully understand what that is. And he can like curve metal, you know, and he was kind of making fun of him for, you know, you're 0 for 2. And I'm like, I feel like he's 2 for 2. He, I mean, or at least 1 for 2 maybe because he was like not really trying to hit you. He purposely curved it to not hit yeah. you. So <laughs> I feel like if he wanted to, he would. Um, and maybe that first time when they were fighting, uh, when when we first were introduced to Reginald in this um, in the season, um, you know, he missed. But um so yeah, that that part was so hard to watch. I was just absolutely, and you could see it in his face, like the moment he just it just kind of fell for mm-hmm. him. So he he's doing a really great job, that actor. Oh yeah. So what is your number three? My number three is Allison, and her jumping yeah. back into her powers. Um, mm-hmm. Man, this episode opened on her. And it was kind of like a rough thing for her. It's like she's been in 1961 for all of 30 seconds and she's already being chased by this group of racist dickheads. Like, really, yeah. way, way to start yeah. it. Um, but then we see because of that, you know, why she has that connection to that hair salon that she had that kind of right from the very beginning because it was the women that were in there that saved her in that moment. And it's also the place where she meets Ray because they were already holding these SJCC civil rights movement like meetings in that place before. Mm hmm. And, um, yeah, so with her powers coming back into play, uh, you know, at first glance, we kind of pick up after she has told Ray everything, just laid it all out on him. And I was surprised. I was like, he's taking this whole, like, super powered wife from the future thing way better than I expected him to. Of course, she, it seems that she's run over it quite a few times. Uh, but like all he's at is he's like, okay, well, I, I want proof. Can you show me? Which leads to a great a full suit trying on montage that he definitely won in asking for that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was, that was great. Not, not a lot of harm come from that. And the shopkeeper ended up making a good sale. Yeah. Right. So it was good. And then you know, he asks, you know, you know, if you can do this, why haven't you been using that for good like this the whole time you can get stuff in. And then he sees, and we see quickly kind of how that could be turned the other way when, you know, they're walking past Stadler's and Allison using her powers again has a score to settle with this place. And so she walks back mm-hmm. in and decides, you know what, I'm going to show you and use my power on this manager of this diner who has been an asshole to me. And, you know, the reason that you were beaten and arrested and, you know, we had all this stuff going on, you know, shutting his mouth where he can't talk, which scares him enough. And then he starts doing all the other things. And then has him over pouring a cup of coffee, which is just burning his hand. And so yeah. it gets a little scary there. I mean, he totally deserved it. He's such an asshat, but still it's, it's scary to see. And I think it scares Ray and 
even her once she kind of snaps out of it. And I think that's why she's stuck so long to not using her powers is maybe, you know, when it gets personal, she gets carried away with it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's why she stopped using it for so long was because, you know, in season one, we learned, you know, she used it so much and abused it Mm -hmm. and it, how addicting it can be. She's actually uh, my number two. So I'll just you yeah. know go ahead and, and chime in about that. But um, I, I think that this was a good window in what it was like for her and how addictive it can be when you use your powers and how they can actually cause more harm than good. You know, I'm not sure how much good she came out of that diner experience. I mean, it was one thing to go into the shops and, you know, where they don't would not typically allow, as they say, colored people, you know, in their store or allow them to even try on their clothes. Um, No harm in trying on clothes, but it's different altogether when you have someone you know, purposely burn themselves with, with a hot yeah. liquid, you know, like, like coffee. I, you know, cause she was, you know, did the guy deserve it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> he was a complete jerk, but you know, kind of, you know, when you start hurting people, you know, that's, and then like when she, I think in season one, that's like how she kind of got her husband yeah. was, you know, I heard a rumor that you love me. Um, I think she did something like that with her kid you know, too, when her kid was, was upset with her. Uh, so I, th- I think something like that can be pretty, pretty risky. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I'm kind of curious because, you know, like you said, Ray was like, well, why haven't you used it for good? I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there's just this very fine line. Like you could definitely, she could probably definitely use her uh, power for good to sway the civil rights yeah. movement, you know, by talking to just the right people and, you know, by saying the right things, you know, can, can sway the right people. Now, how does that affect the timeline? How does that affect things? Does, does doing that have its consequences? Like, even though you're doing good in that moment, is there something bad that could come out of that because of, of what you're trying to do? Can you go too far? And keep going to where it, it will cause harm or you get addicted to it and, you know, you end up, you know, someone gets hurt because of it. I don't know. Um, that is something I'm not able to answer, but I, I kind of see the, you know, point with Ray, like, why haven't you been doing something like that for good? When, you know, we have this movement that, you know, you could make such a difference, you know, by just saying a few words, but considering a dark path it takes. Yeah. Uh, is kind of scary. So I don't yeah, know. I think even Ray sees that, that at the end, not just with what happens in the diner, but then he ends up asking her the same questions that her husband from the future did. It sounds so weird to say things like that, but you know, but yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did. Say, did you use it on me? Well, no, of course. It's like, but if you did, would I even know? And that's, I think, once you open yourself up to those those thoughts and possibilities. That is when that gets more concerning than just a helpful power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it, it's you'd have to probably have someone there to help rein you in, you know, to know that you didn't cross the line if you were going to do that. But it would be, I think, pretty tempting to try and, and want to do that to do some good in the world, like the civil rights movement. Yeah. Um, 
considering how much of a struggle it was then. And of course, the struggle continues today. Um, so yeah, I could, I could see both sides. I, I think that would be a pretty dangerous path if she started going down that, that route, using her power to try and help. I think it could turn mm-hmm. pretty quick. So I don't know. Pretty interesting. But I think there was some good points on both sides for it. It was good that they had a little fun with it, though. And, of course, fun when she had Diego kind of punch herself in the face. <laughs> she was just, like, done with sh- sh- everybody's yep. shit at that point. <laughs> she was just, like, over it. <laughs> so that was funny. Uh, what is your number two? Okay, was it, did we do your number three already? No. We did. My number three was okay. Diego. I just kind of chimed in what you were talking about with Diego. Um, yeah. So, so my yeah. number two was, yeah, that dinner again, kind of had it at the Academy and teams there, oh, but I did okay. have a few other things I guess we didn't get to. Uh, okay. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Just a little oh. quotes and stuff. But then also, you know, you touched on Vanya blowing up the fruit bowl, but I thought that was actually really cool to see that she was able to control and use those powers correctly. Cause everybody else was like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't test run Vanya. Like just, just take our word for her because we don't want things to go. But then she does it without any problem. I mean, yeah, she blows up fruit oil. Everybody I'm like, Oh, I like this shirt, but, but she's learned that like, she's been able to hone these abilities versus the destructive force that she had in season one. And I think, and I think I mentioned this in a previous episode that we did, but I really think what comes into play is that she's been able to find out about her powers and then hone them and and teach herself versus finding out she's been lied to for almost 30 years or whatever it is. And then learn her, you know, learn her abilities out of confusion, fear, and anger, and then just lash out. I think it's that nurture versus nature kind of thing in a way where I think Reginald made a huge mistake with the way that he treated her and her powers in what we see in the first season. And now that she's been able to slowly come to grips with it and teach her herself, that has made a big difference. Yeah. I would agree. I think the only other things is Allison had a cute uh, quote that I really liked just her. It's, it's almost cliche, but I don't know. Coming from her at that moment, it worked so perfectly. The check, please, was <laughs> perfect. And then when they get it back in the elevator yeah. right after that, she goes, well, that went as well as any Hargreaves family function. So. Yeah, so true. <laughs> yeah, that's about all I have So true. That's good. Well, my number two was, um, we just talked about Allison. Um, I was kind of just adding to what you, you had to say. Um, and I think, I've said everything that I wanted to say about that. So if you don't have anything else um, about Allison and her mm-hmm. powers, then I'd love to hear you. All right. We've one. been very in sync in step with all of our points this week. And I think we have, we're sharing, sharing yeah. the same. And I'm this very week. willing to bet that we probably share a number one too. Okay. Well, let's hear it. Is the duo that thanks to a flub up of last week, I will now lovingly just refer to as Clint. <laughs> absolutely adorable yeah. by the way <laughs> yeah the, the duo of clint klaus and ben um i just love they had so much great stuff in this episode and so gonna go yeah. over, you know uh ben mentions jill is this girl that he's hung up on and i was like oh i wonder if that's the girl from the bus mm-hmm. which turns out it is totally is and it totally is. He was definitely eyeballing her in a previous episode. I think the the flashback, yeah. right, when we got to see Klaus's life yep. with the cult. 
or sorry, not a cult, you know. He's whatever. referred to him cult himself before too, so I don't think he yeah. he knows. Uh, but yeah, but then he he comes out and he's trying to like break the news to his followers, cult, whatever you want to call them. And so he's like, no, you know, he even like comes out and says like he's using Gloria Gaynor lyrics. They're not scriptures. And you know, he comes out, I'm a fraud, and it just backfires on him to where. Of course, now all of his followers are just standing up going, I'm a fraud too. I'm a fraud. Now that we can look inside and see our own fraudulence that helps us with our humility. And he's like, oh my God, you people don't get it. <laughs> like, oh, uh, it's so <laughs> funny. He just was not going to win on oh, that man. one. And yeah, which fun little note. I don't know why I wanted to make a note of it, but the bald cult member that was in the jail, his name is Kichi, which is an interesting name. Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of cool. fun. I did not yeah. catch that. <laughs> but then, uh, let's see. Again with Klaus, I'll start with the Klaus stuff. But then Dave shows up, and he has that conversation mm-hmm. with Dave, which I was kind of wondering how that was going to go. But I don't know. After that, I mean, it didn't go well. But also, it kind of, I feel like Klaus might have still inadvertently saved Dave's life. Because he has now enlisted early and he ships out early, possibly going to a different location, different time. So he might not even be on that same hill that same day that he died originally. So who knows? He may actually have a chance of surviving this thing, even though Klaus kind of pushed him away in the opposite direction. Yeah, that that is actually specifically cool. my number one was Klaus and his his interaction with Dave, but all that stuff with him and Ben were really great. I mean, I've talked enough about it. How much <laughs> Klaus is my favorite? I won't repeat any of it here again because I'm sure people are like, "Yes, we know." Uh, but I did like that scene when when Dave shows up and we find out that he already enlisted yeah. and it's earlier than than what he was supposed to. So already, yes, they are affecting the timeline by Klaus running into Dave before trying to talk him out of it, which in fact pushes him to go get enlisted sooner does affect the timeline. Does it then change what will happen? You know, will Dave and Klaus meet in the war like they did? Will he actually die? Um, you know, in the war or will he die in the same place yeah. or will he not die at all? Like you said, well, you know, will he actually make it? Um, you, you know, know I don't yeah. know. Could be like a uh, final destination kind of thing. It was like, oh, he avoided that one, but then something else will happen in the other place he's at or, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, there's this whole butterfly effect, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, they're, they're definitely already affecting the timelines. Um, so that, was an interesting interaction. I and I did love all of the stuff with him yeah. and Ben. Uh, it is fun to see them. Although, damn it, Klaus is still denying Ben's existence. You know, he's like at the when they're at the yeah. supper, and Ben's like, "Klaus, tell him I'm here." And that's when he gets just mad enough, and he's like, "I've had enough." And that's when he, you know, then kind of takes yeah. over. And of course, nobody quite knew how to <laughs> took that. They were all like, um, is he having a seizure? He's more like ODing, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all like, ripping on mm-hmm. poor Klaus, you know, because uh, he's a screw up. Man. Uh, yeah, that was, that was but, really uh, interesting. And when we first see it, when they're back at Klaus's house, I was, I was just like, yeah. is, 
is this like some kind of a new ability that Ben has, or is it part of what Klaus has to where Ben can possess him? Because mm-hmm. like, if it's on Ben's part, then does that mean he could maybe possess anyone with the right amount of power and training? I don't know. But maybe it's just limited to Klaus. I don't know. Because he does I he possess Cal- Klaus at the dinner, but it definitely needs more work because it didn't last long. And both of them were like out at that moment for a little bit. Yeah, definitely took a lot out of them. I think it's going to come into play later here in the season. I don't know when or how or anything like that, but I think it's going to play a part. I don't think it'll be Klaus, but I think it's going to be something that maybe maybe Klaus will have to be a part of because it, it will be something maybe he can help Ben since he can see mm-hmm. the dead and you know it'll be something that he might have to help him with. But And I think that it is uh, an, kind of an involvement of klaus's power in some way so i don't know it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do with that but i feel like it's going to play a part i don't know that he'll necessarily be possessing ben but i bet it will i bet he'll be possessing someone it's going to be useful Mm -hmm. somewhere so yeah really great interactions i don't know what klaus was wearing (laughs) at his mansion it's doing yoga there was like these like swami pants underwear stuff he had going on it cracked me up <laughs> just keep spreading his legs and stretching and ben's like averting his eyes and covering like no i, I don't want to look know, he's like got his hand up and he's like oh oh <laughs> yeah laughing so hard uh hey it's yoga man it's all good good moves by the way i i some of those are some of my favorites that i love oh, to yeah. do myself really great stretching and um just really helps kind of like get get your juices flowing so but i was laughing pretty hard at that and i was just like at first i was like is he wearing a diaper <laughs> like one of those adult diapers and then seeing it's like you know i don't know what it's called i don't know the name i didn't even know how to google for it i was like i don't even know what to put in my google search yeah. <laughs> for that you know but it's some some Gandhi looking yeah. underwear or something. Oh my gosh, Klaus! I think that was his uh, skirt moment from season one <laughs> when he's wearing Allison's skirt. Which that scene plays a lot when, like, if you just have Umbrella Academy up on yeah. Netflix on the show and, and the trailer plays, they show mostly all of like stuff from season one, and they play that scene. Uh, where he, you know, Allison's like, are you wearing my skirt? And he's like, oh yeah, it's a, uh, it's really good for yeah. the bits. And he kind of. <laughs> uh, Klaus, he's the one that he could be wearing all, literally anything and you just kind of would roll with it. Be like, yeah, okay. That's Klaus. That makes sense. Yeah. That's Klaus. It's Klaus. He, yeah, he can wear anything. I mean, he, and he yeah. does, he, he's, you know fur and leather and now he's in like this whole 70s vibe he's where his um his guru clothes whatever it was in this scene and he had like the robe and stuff he I mean he almost looked like yeah. jesus uh, so yeah i love it he can do no wrong <laughs> with me that was great yeah interesting to see what happens there with dave though yeah. Um, and, and kind of what the consequences, I feel like we're, we're starting to affect things. Things are, they're doing these things now. They keep talking about like, well, I haven't done anything to affect the timeline. I haven't done anything, um, but they are doing these things and we really get to see some things here 
in this episode, Allison using her powers, you know, I feel like there's going to be consequences for that. Uh, Klaus uh, having that conversation with Dave and and that date changing, um, you know, he's affected the timeline. I feel like there's going to be consequences that come with that. I feel like, I feel like with time travel and timeline stuff, that's just what's going to happen. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Do you, you have any notes? I do, and I feel kind of bad because I did this last week too. Poor Vanya, just get her whole, her whole section just gets pushed to my other notes. But <laughs> that's okay. She's we're at least yeah, mentioning. We got to talk about her a little bit. Yeah, because I mean, it, it wasn't a whole lot aside from her moments with the rest of the family, but we get a little bit of her and Sissy at the end of the episode, where I was like, yeah. kind of like Vanya, like five days before the apocalypse isn't the best time to plan an escape with a woman and a kid like i get you're in love but like priorities vanya priorities uh exactly. but but they had a you know a good moment there where a really you know sissy comes back to her and i like what she said where you know it's like you know we can't always have what we want but that doesn't mean we don't still want it and so sissy's just been very conflicted on the situation and vanya kind of finally convinces her like we can go somewhere just lay low and we'll figure this out and i knew for some reason that whole conversation i knew carl was going to catch wind of it i figured he was going to show up or he was going to hear so it didn't surprise me at all to to then back out of the car and find him like at his own car just like lighting up a cigarette and watching everything they're doing again consequences Mm Affecting the timeline, I feel. I feel like this is certainly something that's going to have an, an a potential adverse refe- um, yeah. effect. She's trying to, especially because she says, you know, we can go somewhere. And I'm thinking, like, you're not planning on trying to convince her to time travel with you, are you? Like, that could just be a whole different mess. But. Yeah, because she she's acting like, the, or at least Vanya is to Sissy, like, it's okay. We have time, yeah. you know? And it's like, uh, no, you don't. You got like six <laughs> days. Uh, you know, what, what are you, what are you planning here? If you're going to run away and try to have some kind of happiness, you're going to have six days of that unless you guys can figure out what to do. And she doesn't know anything about, I don't think five has told anyone anything about the, this deal no, with the handler. So they're all just like, oh, well, I guess we're just going to be stuck here and, you know, the apocalypse is going to come and maybe we'll try to fight it or, you know, we're just going to sit back and let it happen or something. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we haven't really. Maybe she's just feeling very confident in her siblings that they're going to figure this thing out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And then, yeah, speaking of the handler, I thought like it was cool that she called out Lila for the fact that she really did develop feelings for Diego. Cause I truly believe she did. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I wasn't even buying her totally. stuff when she's trying to like play it off. Cause she's like, you're wearing the bracelet he made for you. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a trophy <laughs> of a job. Well done. Yeah. Okay. Lila, whatever you got to tell yourself, you know, like, which it was weird. They having this whole conversation over a game. They're playing bingo, which I don't know why, but, watching the handler play bingo was really weird to me. I was like, this just doesn't it fit. Was. <laughs> it was very strange. I agree. Yep. And then only other little things I had, of course I have my little title card watch that I like to do, which was the umbrella yeah. on the ornament on the Christmas tree in the hair salon, which by the way, Christmas music at the beginning of this episode made me feel so happy. 
because I'm I'm that oh. person. I I love Christmas the most. Easily, Christmas time is my jam. So it's like the colder weather, the music, drinks, food, family, friends, all of it. I'm just a huge sucker for holiday spirit. So hearing the music and seeing oh, the decorations and stuff, I totally like. I, I my spirits already just like raise immensely immediately, and I'm just like, ooh, Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, it's coming mm, up. Just crazy. We're already in freaking September. Man. I mean, we got some time. I'm. I love Christmas. I. I People will probably, people who either know me or maybe have heard me before will say, no, you don't. You are a Grinch. <laughs> and yeah, I can be. I love Christmas, but I love it at Christmas. Yeah. I don't love Christmas in September, <laughs> October, or November. I can get excited for it anytime. I, but like, you know, I'm, I'm brave enough or strong enough in my, my masculinity or lack thereof in some cases. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Where I'm the guy that I'll admit I watch Love Actually every year for Christmas because I'm a softie too. There's no shame in that. Don't don't be embarrassed. There's no question with your masculinity because you like to watch Love Actually. Uh, That's that's legit. Um, No, I I love Christmas, but I love I I love all holidays. I love my holidays. And like, I love Halloween. That's my number one holiday. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. And then I love Christmas. Yeah. But I like to celebrate each yeah. holiday. One you know, at a time. Pushing <laughs> one at a time. I don't want to put my Christmas up tree at Thanksgiving. I don't do it after Thanksgiving. I usually wait, you know, a couple weeks after. If I even have a tree. I haven't even had a tree the last couple mm-hmm. of years. I have my Charlie Brown tree. Yeah. I legit have a Charlie Brown tree uh, that I put up. Uh, but I mean, you know, I love Christmas. I love what it's about. I love spending time with family and friends and, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like this year or anything, but you know, I still, the spirit of Christmas, I have always, you know, that's always, that always gets me. I'm, I'm a softie. Again, people are like, no, you are not. I really am. I am a softie when it comes to Christmas and family and stuff. It gets me. Um, but I don't want it in, in, in October or November. I want it when it comes, or at least in the month of December. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'd like to celebrate. I, I feel like I go like yeah, all all out pretty early because I was thinking, you know, the Christmas music and the tree and stuff. At the beginning of this episode, I was already ready to like mm-hmm. make myself some eggnog with like cinnamon whiskey or something, and be like, okay, oh, I was ready for like goodness. hot chocolate or something. I was like, okay, Christmas time. Here we go. <laughs> I'm already yeah, starting to like try to fire totally up my Frank Sinatra fun. Christmas playlist on Spotify. I was like, oh, oh, taking a cue from Umbrella Academy. It's, they say it's time. Okay, let's go. <laughs> That's funny. You know what? I'm, t- you know, I don't deny anyone else's, um, you know, if they, whoever, whenever you want to celebrate, that's fine. You know, I'm still planning on, you know, you can take my Halloween away from me, but I'll be celebrating here at home. <laughs> I'll be jamming out to some Monster Mash here in, in my go. place, dancing around my bedroom <laughs> in one of my costumes from last year or something, you know. Make uh, it work. There, there will be, there will be some type parties. of celebration. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have Zoom costume parties, Zoom, yeah, um, Halloween parties and stuff. Yeah, I feel like that's probably where we're going to be. We'll all just dress up in our costumes and get online. And so anyway, yeah, that was that was really cute. The uh, umbrella on the ornament um, for this week. I've made a point to try and watch for it now that it's been pointed yeah. out to us that they kind of sneak that in. Do you have any other notes? Um, 
just the music stuff, which we can do after your other notes and stuff too. So, okay. Uh, well, the only note that I had, um, you mentioned them earlier. The ladies in the salon uh, really loved them. They were ready to uh-huh. cut a dude <laughs> for trying to harm Allison. I absolutely loved that. And again, that was a really great little piece of the backstory to kind of learn how Allison got to know, you know, those ladies and how she built that relationship with them. Um, and got that good, strong foundation with that group in general and got involved with the cause and how she met Ray. Um, so I love that. Um, I have a few Easter eggs, not very many this week in, in this week's episode. So just a few that I have, uh, there was a line that Klaus said to Ben in this episode, he said, 16 years in the grave and you finally turned into your father. Um, so given Hargreaves, all the siblings were born in 1989 and 2019 was the current year of the show. Ben, um, according to the math must've been around 14 when he Hmm. died. So that sucks. But then it's interesting because then he takes like an adult form as a ghost because he doesn't, he doesn't look 14. Yeah. (laughs) Because we, we see in the first season, they had a statue of him in like the little courtyard at the house and that looked 14. Mm -hmm. But Yep. Maybe he decided to age hmm. as uh, as a ghost. I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't buy that he's 14 <laughs> Definitely. as a ghost. The only one I feel like looks closer to their true age that they should be yeah. is five. And even he looks a little bit older because I think he's supposed to be 13, in the according to the comics yeah. anyway. Um, so it just anyway, interesting little piece yeah. of information. I don't know that it's relevant, but just interesting. Uh, so Reginald in this episode invites his pursuers to 1624 Magnolia Street, Dallas. Uh, this address appears to be a parking lot. Yeah, I actually had that <laughs> as kind of a little note for like production stuff that. Uh, yeah, because I kind of know Dallas a little bit, but like not well enough to like hear like a street or address. But like, oh, I know where that is. But I had to Google it like Google Maps. I was like, Magnolia Street, where is that? And I was like, oh, yeah. It's literally Magnolia Street doesn't really exist anymore. Maybe it did in the 60s as like a full on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all it is now is it's kind of the entrance road to the parking lot for the aquarium. Huh. <laughs> well, there yeah. you go. It's interesting. <laughs> that that's, or at least maybe it was an address in the mm-hmm. 60s. Um, if that was, I certainly don't have that information and it wasn't given to me just that like what it yeah. is today. So maybe it was I've parked in that parking lot in going to the aquarium quite a few times, but so I've been oh, in that location that they were supposed to be in there. But yeah, like you said, it's just a, it's just a parking into, lot now. Didn't run into <laughs> Reginald or uh-uh. Grace. Or Although it would have been nice to go into a building okay. and sit at a little tiki bar. and They might have a little tiki huh, bar area yep. in the aquarium. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. I love a good aquarium. Mm-hmm. I'd love to check that out. Um, and then in this episode, uh, Vanya's select or suggestion that only the person holding the conch, uh, shell mm-hmm. can speak is straight out of Lord of the, Fr- or Lord of yep. the Flies and Spongebob. Yeah. <laughs> the magic conch. <sighs> the magic conch. Oh, hell, the magic conch. <laughs> All I can mm-hmm. think. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, yeah, they got the that Lord of the Flies. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh so that's all the easter eggs that i have for this week and all of my notes so 
let's hear about the music this episode. All right. We got some pretty good music in here, too. I mean, it's it's no interrupters or sticks or kiss, but we got some good stuff. We still got still some, some really good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll go through it. Um, at the beginning, on the radio in the hair salon, we hear Aretha Franklin's Won't Be Long. And then when Allison is talking to Ray, not in present time, but still kind of in the flashback, when she's the first time she even speaks, probably whenever he's asking her out for a date, that's Jack Huddle's version of an old fashioned Christmas. And then while they're having their souped shopping spree, we get Sam and Dave's hold on. I'm coming, which is such a good song. Classic one. Mm-hmm. Sure is. And then when the siblings are headed to the light supper with their father, it's public image limited or LTD. The order of death. is the song. And then at the end, when Carl sees Vanya and Sissy in the car and Diego and Luther find Elliot's body, is a song called In Hell, I'll Be in Good Company by the Dead South. Awesome. Yeah, some good music this week. For sure. Yes, yes. Awesome. Well, I think that was a pretty good wrap-up of the top five in our notes, music and Easter eggs. Um I don't have any news for this week. Um, I saw an article, though, that I'll just mention since I'm in the news portion. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember seeing it and it stood out that said uh, Umbrella Academy Season 2 is a bigger hit for Netflix than The Witcher was. That's kind of a statement, I thought. (laughs) Because I don't know if anyone has has watched. I'll pull it up really quickly. Um, oh, sorry, maybe not bigger. I'll backtrack. <laughs> let me rein that in just a little bit. Um, the actual headline is the Umbrella Academy is Netflix's biggest hit Sam. since okay. The Witcher. Sorry, <laughs> little correction corner over here. Um, Which is still high praise. Yeah, that and they still have it everywhere. Oh my gosh. I mean, The Witcher was absolutely huge when it aired. So I guess since then, Netflix has not had, uh, you know, anything that's dominated, you know, quite like that has, but this has. So, but yeah, so it looks like the last time that Netflix had that big of a hit was The Witcher, which was the second biggest TV hit of 2019, 2019 behind Stranger Things season four. Um, So yeah, pretty big. It's interesting how they put that in minutes viewed. 3.01 billion minutes mm-hmm. viewed for Umbrella Academy. Yeah, it's interesting. So instead of like viewers, they go by minutes. So yeah, just thought that was kind of interesting when I saw that headline. I thought, well, that's that's worth mentioning. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, so that actually leads us into uh, – one of our favorite parts of the um, podcast, and that is our listener feedback portion. Um, I'll go ahead and take this first one. Uh, This is from our good friend, Doug Fick. He writes, as every episode is done, another brief backstory for how a character got to where they are. However, Allison's pretty much was covered early on, and this seemed a bit of a filler and a little over the top. Again, the back and forth with the handler in five is delicious, and yes, like jazz. Another interaction with Klaus and Dave, still heart-wrenching. But it appears that Klaus has altered the timeline without trying. The encounter with Dave at the diner led to his enlisting before he was supposed to. Does this mean he dies in battle sooner? 
Will Klaus then ever meet him in an alternate timeline? I think you can see that question in Klaus's face. And again, why doesn't Klaus acknowledge Ben? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't, but I know Ben's not having it anymore. <laughs> so um, he goes on. In season one, Klaus was the MVP, but I think so far the handler is this season. Did you know that birch or eucalyptus branches are used in saunas for massage and to facilitate heat transfer to the body? No, I did not know that. I've seen them do that before. Have you seen that before, Pake, in any of the movies or shows where they kind of hit with the branches like that? I don't know. Not back really, but maybe. maybe I've seen them time. do it. I didn't really know the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks to Doug. Now we know. tune. The more you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, he, go- <laughs> he goes on. Luther, lay off the eggs. Uh, enough with the crop dusting already. <laughs> if you noticed earlier when Diego announced Team Zero, he said, we are not 12-year-olds 12, 12 anymore. But in the meeting with Hargreaves, he was reduced to just that, a stammering, berated child. The pain on his face was felt. Great acting. Also, did I miss something? Did any of the gang break into Hargreaves' uh, lab and free Pogo? Uh, no. Uh, they... I guess he escaped or they let him out. But at the end of that episode, Hargreaves uh, grabbed Pogo's hand and they walked away yeah. together. So he got out, but it looks like Pogo went back with him. So uh, that was in the uh, episode where Hargreaves and Diego yeah. were fighting. Um, he goes on, Sissy's feelings for Vanya are real, but that does not bode well for Carl. Carl! <laughs> I see. I see a confrontation with Vanya and he done gonna explode. <laughs> Looks like we're heading to Oshkosh Bagash. Um, Rima Joe, I am sure uh, when you were a teen, you wore the Oshkosh Bagash overalls. Such the fashion craze for a while. Um, sorry, Doug, I did not wear overalls. I have never been a fan of the overalls and I've never worn them and I don't wear them now. <laughs> My daughter did, though. She, I have the, just the cutest two-year-old in her cute little Oshkosh. <laughs> I did not. Um, he goes on, poor Elliot, and that, my friends, is why I hate the dentist. I hope everyone had a safe and festive Labor Day weekend, and I just can't decide on this week's t-shirt t- idea. Either unharm my wiener or bingo, you old shitbags. <laughs> both are great. Hmm, both are great. I think <laughs> both. I think there's yeah. a twofer this week for you, Doug. Anyway, thanks. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. All right. Laura Willie Swain says, nothing beats a schwitz when it comes to stress. That was a really excellent <laughs> episode. Another improvement over this season compared to last is the feeling that these seven people are actually siblings. They rib each other. They fight. They even hurt each other. But in the end, they all deeply love each other. It really reminds me of a relationship with my siblings. And it also reminded me of another group of dysfunctional Netflix siblings, the Crane Children from The Haunting of Hill House. Nice. That cast really made me feel the familial connection and disconnection between each one of them. And in season two, the Hargreaves Sibs are giving me the same feels. I loved seeing them all reunite in the last episode. And then in this one, the craziest family dinner ever. Loved that PIL song as they entered the building too. Tempted stabbing, exploding fruit bowls, possession and all. And did you notice when Sir Reginald cut Diego down that his stutter briefly came back? A quick recall to his childhood from season one. And it was so heartbreaking. Yes, it definitely was. It was. Poor Diego. Thanks, Laura. That was awesome. Uh, Next one we have is from Danielle Cimino. She says, firstly, I would not mess with those salon ladies. They will cut you, literally. 
Allison and Ray's pretty woman scene was fun and seeing Ray get to enjoy things that we take for granted in the present really puts things into perspective about segregation and racism back then. But she gets scary in the coffee shop, and I think that's where Allison can't see the line in the sand with her powers. They can be really good, but she seems impulsive with them, which would be very easy to do. But she dismisses them as bad and doesn't try to learn from her mistakes. It's the most frustrating thing about her character. Klaus's admission of being a fraud and his followers turning it into a lesson reminds me a lot of social media and the news nowadays. I guess that the masses will always hear what they want to hear. Bingo, you old shitbags. LOL, the handler may be terrible, but her character is so weird and delightful, and this mildly insane, vengeful, murderous, classy woman brings a new level to this show. Also, she's she's got some cojones walking into that sauna with the Swedes. Unharm my wiener. When Klaus starts telling Dave stuff about himself, it was so cute and so sweet. Telling Dave about his death and showing him his dog tags was a huge risk, and there was no way Dave would have ever believed him, unfortunately. So sad Klaus couldn't save him. I can't believe Luther gassed them all in the elevator. That's everyone's worst nightmare. Diego's Team Zero was cute after his whole I should be number one thing in the first season. It was a nice change of pace for his character. He's grown so much this season. I guess getting stabbed was good for him? Might be. Having Reginald invite them all to dinner and confront them all face to face is the most Reginald thing to ever happen. We can't talk about the light supper without discussing Allison rumoring Diego. And as much as Diego has grown this season, he kind of deserved it. I do hate that Reginald made Diego wither like that. When he reverted back to a stutter, I felt bad for him, no matter how much of an ass he can be. I know why the others keep writing Klaus off as being high or overdosing, but there are real things happening with him this season, and I wish they'd see that. Also, Luther, don't be lame. Poor Elliot, he got caught in the crossfire. It was so gruesome, and he was such a sweet guy with a totally normal Jello obsession. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that was really good, Danielle. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, Elliot. Elliot. <sighs> Elliot. Maybe, I don't know, did they give him that name because he's obsessed in, with and living with what he can see as aliens? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, gosh, you know what? I don't know. I'll have to <laughs> see uh, maybe once the um, episodes are over, once we've finished it, you know, and we're at the finale and I can actually go yeah. get some news without risk of being spoiled. <laughs> I'll have to see if, if there is any tie to that. That would be really yeah. funny. Yeah, you got to be careful even for like little things. Cause I almost did that today. Like doing a little bit more research for this episode. I went to Google like the SJCC, like civil rights movement mm. thing. I was like, was that like a real like group? Was that a real thing? You know, kind of what that was a part of. And then, like, you know, the right. connections to Umbrella Academy come up on it, and you click on one thing, and the next thing you're seeing all – I'm like, no, 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 back out, back out. I don't want <laughs> it's, danger, it's so easy to Robinson. just stumble across yeah. something you don't want to see. It totally is. Uh, like I said, I've – I tried to venture in the beginning, you know, which I always do with, with all of our shows um, – got to be really careful and especially like yeah even though you weren't looking up something specifically like just typing in umbrella academy just because it's related and umbrella academy is still kind of relevant and popular on netflix it ties into it and it's going to pop up so yeah it's unfortunate um i'll have to look that up whenever it's safe 
Um, we did get some voice messages this weekend. Uh, the first one that we have is from our good friend, Anwen from New Zealand. Hi, Rima and Paik. I have to say I'm really enjoying this season. The first season was fantastic, but I think I'm enjoying this one even more. And this was a really great episode. I loved seeing some of Alison's backstory and seeing a little bit about how she got to where she is. The shopping scene with her and her husband was really cool too. Klaus was pretty funny when he went back to try and convince his cult that it had all been a lie and they just ended up worshipping him even more. I guess people kind of believe what they want to believe. The dinner was absolutely hilarious, this big dysfunctional family. They go into the tiki lounge and the first thing Klaus does, of course, is mix himself a cocktail. And they're all just sitting there being their individual selves and Hargreaves really doesn't give a toss about any of them except he's mildly interested in five that was quite funny I was horrified by the end scene with Elliot and just what they were going to find when they walked into the apartment it was just awful I'd really started to like him and his crazy meals that he would cook up for the group um, two of the really moving moments I thought were the the one with um Vanya and Sissy when they sort of come to the realisation that they want to be together and then also the scenes with Dave and Klaus and Klaus realises that he might have changed the timeline and caused Dave to maybe enlist earlier and perhaps be in a different regiment or battalion and, and not, they might not end up meeting or he might not end up dying and I think the beauty of this show is there's all these magical, fantastical elements and there's a lot of comedy as well, but the really intense scenes are the ones that are just real scenes, emotional scenes between people and the balance that they find between all of that, I think, is really amazing. So looking forward to the next episode. Thanks again for an amazing podcast. I really look forward to listening every week after I've watched the episode. Bye. Oh, thanks, Anwen. <laughs> She's just oh, the yeah. best. Love Anwen. And eventually when I can ever get myself to New Zealand someday, we're going to hang out, making it a goal. <laughs> One day she's going to freak out when I knock on her door and say, <laughs> I finally made it. She's invited me like countless times. And of course, now with everything that's happening, we're not like allowed to travel anywhere. Nobody wants mm -hmm. us um, in their country. I don't blame them. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'd always tease. I was like, you know, you keep inviting me and keep saying, you know, yes, come visit. It would be great to have you here. I was like, but you're really gonna, you know, be shocked when I show up one day. <laughs> always lovely to hear from Anne. if I can't be in New Zealand, I feel like Anne just kind of when she leaves her voice messages, um, kind of just takes me there <laughs> <laughs> for a few moments. So, thanks, Anne <laughs> for that little moment of escapism there. Uh, next voice message we have is from our good friend Daphne and also Paik's co-host on their Yay. podcast as well. So we heard from Daphne last week. Let's see what she has to say this week. Hi Paik, hi Rima. This is Daphne sending in my feedback for Umbrella Academy episode six. Oh, Elliot. When I saw the cat, I knew it was over for him. It was his meticulous alley watch that was instrumental in getting the group back together, and I'm sad to see him go. I hope our fearless seven are able to take care of the Swedes once and for all and avenge his untimely death. Klaus continues to be a riot. He tried to come clean to his cult followers, but they're definitely not having it. 
good on Ben for finally taking matters into his own hands and showing that he's present with the group in the past. Vanya and Sissy are busted, and I wonder what Carl's going to do now that he knows. And I love, love, love the music. It's so on point this season. I can't wait. It's one of the things I look forward to with each episode. Things are moving fast, and I can't wait for the next episode. Thanks, guys. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks, Daphne. Good to hear from you, as always. Okay. Last voice message um, is, of course, from our good friend, Steve. Hey, Rima and Pake, it's Steve, and this is for uh, episode six of the Umbrella Academy. Can't wait to hear it. I just love your guys' podcast, by the way, and Pake. I love the whole, the music stuff you're doing because I I love the music, I love all the songs, and I just can't keep track of them. They, <laughs> even when it comes up on the closed captioning, I don't know what song is what. And every once in a while, I'll catch one because I'll know it and I'm familiar with it. But uh, I look forward to that segment of your uh, podcast every every time I, I hear it because I, I just love these songs and I love the research you do uh, in finding out the songs and stuff. So please, please keep that up. I love it. Um, this one, wow, um, that uh, light supper. I don't think they actually ate anything. Um, but <laughs> I loved the going around the table and explaining everyone's powers. And then I'm not sure which one of them it was that when they started talking about Vanya, they were like, the last time you handled it, you definitely broke the moon. So I thought that was that was a great uh, quote. And uh, the this five making a deal with the handler, I don't know how this is going to work. I'm sure she's got something up her sleeve because, you know, she told Lila, you got to have a scapegoat when you're going to have a coup. So... Um, yeah, looking forward to the rest of the season. We're getting close, man. Four episodes, right? Seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, so we're almost almost there. And I uh, uh, can't wait for Mark and I to uh, dive in deeper into this episode uh, here in a couple of days. All right. Uh, talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. That's awesome. And yeah, I will continue the music a bit because I have a lot of fun doing that, too. <laughs> Yeah, digging in music stuff, and I think a lot of people are. I know I am. Like I said, I'm some stuff I can kind of get, but um, other stuff I'm too lazy to go dig too deep for. <laughs> so like, I just don't know what to. It's look not too for. much work. So, it's uh, tune find makes things pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have that. Um, it's one less app I have to have <laughs> on on my phone. So um, you're doing a great job with that. I'll just let you continue to do that, and I'm Gladly. sure lots of other people are also appreciating that. As well, keep that Spotify playlist for Umbrella Academy mm-hmm. rolling. All right. Um, so thanks everyone for participating in the feedback. You know, it's so great getting feedback from um, all of our different you know platforms, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. Or even you know, we've had some Instagram feedback in the past. If you want to email us, um, or if you want to send us a voicemail, or yeah, a voicemail, voice message um, through email. Um, however, you guys want want to do that. I I love hearing from you guys. Even, you know, even if you want to chime in on an, a previous episode, happy to include that as well. So, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate everyone. So glad that everyone's still digging the um, or the series and the season as much as what we are. Um, I think our feelings are definitely shared um, with everyone that this is a really 
outstanding season. It's really holding up because we, you always kind of worry a little bit with Netflix shows, at least we do, you know, they start out really strong. They kind of lag a little bit and then they kind of, you know, bring up the the end, but this one I feel like is held pretty strong. Yeah, definitely. So I'm glad everyone's digging it. Okay. So next week we will be covering season two, episode seven from the Umbrella Academy. Um, you want to throw out that pronunciation there? <laughs> if it's even take? correct, the best I could do is Iaga for Iaga. <laughs> you know what? That's convincing enough for me because I was going to totally butcher and English that up like crazy. So at least yours has a bit of a spin to it. And I, I you know, I'll buy yeah. it for sure. So yeah, like like you said, that is Swedish for eye for an eye. So uh, probably going to get some more Swede action, yeah. I'm guessing. I hope so. Hopefully it's not uh, like the last time they gave a title hinting to them and then we got four minutes at the beginning of the episode. And that's it. <laughs> you know, we really got kind of uh, thrown off on that one, the yeah. Swedish job. And then we had a couple minutes in the beginning and it was like, okay, that's the end of the Swedes. So yeah, who knows? Uh, maybe it won't be, but I, you know, I do feel if they keep up with the same, uh, theme of what they've done, where they pick right up, oops, hit my mic, um, pick right up where they leave off the previous episode. I I feel like we're probably definitely going to get some, um, five in, in the, in that next timeline where he's going after the, uh, the commission. Can't wait to see what happens. So, Yeah, exciting stuff. Um, Well, and speaking of exciting stuff, we are excited for you to follow us through time. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore Pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com, and you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at Podcastica.com, and go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. Lots of great things happening on Podcastica, sorry. Uh, Still covering Cobra Kai over on House Podcastica. Um, and of course, you know, Jason and Lucy doing some fun things during the off season of walking dead. It's so fun to kind of get some of that off season stuff as much as what we love hearing about the walking dead, uh, since it's not on air, um, currently it's always fun to hear some of their off topics and things that they cover. So be sure to check them out too until, yeah. uh, walking dead comes back. What is that? October 10th I think or so. sounds right. somewhere without it in front of me. That, that sounds right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's somewhere in there. Um, Google it, you'll find it. Um, but anyway, yeah, be sure to check out um, all of those great podcasts. And while we're speaking of great podcasts, be sure to check out Pake's other podcast called Run for Your yeah. Lives. Um, they cover monster movies, creature features, disaster films, and you can find them anywhere you, you listen to your favorite podcasts. And you can find them at runforyourlivespodcast.com. Uh, what do you guys have going this week do you want to give a little teaser all right so episode two is up and we did cloverfield and then nice. by the time people are listening to this then we usually release on friday nights about nine or ten o'clock and then that way it's fresh for saturday morning so if you're listening to this then it should be about ready for episode three which will be jurassic park the first one so, yeah yes <laughs> 
I love Jurassic Park so much. The the original. Nothing makes me feel more like a kid than, and I mean, I wasn't a kid when it came out, but I loved dinosaur. I still love dinosaurs, but I love dinosaurs so much. When I was a kid, I used to read so many dinosaur books at the library and I was just obsessed. So getting to watch Jurassic Park, even as an adult, I just cried, cried like a baby the first time that they see the dinosaurs. Oh my gosh. It's a fun episode that we had, me and Daphne had a lot of fun with that one. I think because we've, we record a little bit in advance. So we kind of have a bank of episodes. So we recorded episode Mm -hmm. seven yesterday, I think. So we've got a little bit of a a head start, but Jurassic Park being episode three, I still think to this, to this day, it's the longest one we've had because we just, oh wow, I mean, it's it's about an hour and a half and we just like gushed about it because yeah, it's so much fun. (laughs) It's so good. Because it's so damn mm-hmm. good and it holds up and it's great. Uh, lots of great actors and moments and I could go on and on about it too because it, it's great. Well, that'll be really fun for everyone to listen to. So be sure to check out their podcast if you love Tremors, um, Jurassic Park, Cloverfield and those types of mm-hmm. movies. Um, you guys are doing a great job. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course. Don't do it if it's not. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Paige. And Cheryl Morales is strange indeed.